clubhouse. Jamie, you're not a politician, okay? Politicians believe that they can manage people's lives better than they can. The best politicians are narcissists. The very best should probably be committed. You aren't that. Let's be honest, you don't know who the fuck you are. And you're looking for the world to tell you. You reek of desperation. And they can smell it. Welcome to Pod Clubhouse. This is our coverage of Yellowstone Season 2, Episode 3. This is the Reek of Desperation. Very ominous. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. On Etsy. They have a really great Yellowstone product collection. Oh, I haven't checked that out. Yeah, t-shirts galore and all kinds of... I'm actually of... wearing my Yellowstone t-shirt right now. Are you? Mm-hmm. I came home from work and it was changing and I was like, you know what? It's podcast day. And I'm in the best Dutton state of mind today. Yes. <laughs> definitely in the mood there's actually a great beth quote in this episode at the very end when she's talking to jamie for somebody with no spine you sure got a lot of balls i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's Uh, so funny and you know rip had some zingers this episode too he's digging in his heels a little bit this was a big episode this is a lot there was so much happening but remember we said last time that like there was a lot but there wasn't right so we were like kind of hoping that this episode, episode three, would be a little bit more jam-packed, and it definitely is. Yeah, and we got we got a little bit of everybody yeah. today. And Jamie's back because remember we were missing him for a yeah. while. This and is this, huge. This was a big Jamie episode. I know, and I have so many, so many questions. <laughs> so some much new to baddies. say. We need some new baddies, new bad guys. I know. You know, we're we're watching Casey sort of try to become the new Lee, right? Like the new lead for yes, the ranch. Yes, that's exactly my notes, believe it or not. With John talking to Casey, and then I think he just wanted to gauge like his reasoning skills mm-hmm. and his ability to see the big picture to see if he thinks any different than Lee did. Yeah. And like you said, this is, it's all a test. So John was definitely sort of like testing out his... Like, what do you think of where we should put the cows? And why, right. It's still, like I said last time, though, it's still sort of sticking with me the way that John's sort of playing the puppeteer for Casey's life. Like, yeah. that's still there for me. But yeah, because he's definitely trying to, like, test him out. Yeah, I mean, and he's also being the puppeteer 100% for Jamie, even though, like, yes. they've pulled out the, the support behind him. But Jamie's still tethered. I know. In a big way. And I thought I, I was surprised at. I was really surprised. Exactly. That... I have a lot to say about that. Like, yeah. what, what's up with Jamie? So, but then I saw too, like Rip sort of trying to accept that new role of like letting Casey take the lead. And I liked how he sort of backed Casey up in front of the Cowboys. It was like, he said, do you have any questions? No. Okay. Go do it. Like shutting the conversation down. Yeah. I was both surprised and happy for Rip in a way. Like I was surprised that he accepted his new role so graciously, I guess, Mm -hmm. or so quickly knowing that he would, because John asked him to. Right. 
but because John asked, says like, you know, I need you to follow him. I need you to be loyal to him. Um, Rip had to go through his sort of, you know, change management <laughs> quickly, yeah. but he did. And I was, I was proud of the way he responded and he just shut it down, basically implying that like, you need to follow him and we need to not question him. But I was confused at Casey's attempt at a, a different, like a more inclusive management style, like, <laughs> you know, right. It's just not the way that I guess they're used to having things run. And, you know, and in fairness, like the Wranglers just took this as like, hey, we get to voice our opinion. Sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Jimmy's like, I can't swim. What? (laughs) Shut up. Like That is not the time nor place. Yeah. But like, why is Casey trying this out? You know, fielding questions or, or, you know, asking for opinions. I just think it's not his nature to really be like the leader. I don't think he wants to have to make all the decisions. Maybe I, I think know. he's more of an order follower from his mm-hmm. time in the military that he's maybe not comfortable in a command position. Both Rip and Lloyd kind of rip Casey a little bit going like, you know, yeah, like what are like, you doing? You know, the better than this. Well, I feel like in general, like people are more willing to sort of, I guess if I use the word obey, they're more willing to obey you if you sort of give them part of the voice, right? Yeah, I feel like it's just a different style than John or yeah, Rip. I mean, that's why he's trying it out, but uh, it, it seems like to backfire. Ranching may not be the area for like group, like group <laughs> let's thing. A, let's have a conference call about this. <laughs> let's have a like, powwow. <laughs> not really the time or place. So, I, I mean, I I kind of understand that Casey's just trying to make them feel like part of the club, I guess. Not really how it works on a ranch, I guess. So. And he's like trying to get them to be part of the decision-making process of like where the cows go or how they go. And it's yeah. just, every, there's going to be seven different opinions from seven different people. Right. So. Who knew that yeah. mattered where the cows went? And that Jimmy can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, Jimmy. <clears throat> So that we get a glimpse of that throughout the episode, a couple little scenes with Casey and and the ranch, like him trying to make decisions. But then we also see him go to Monica, which I was surprised. I knew it needed to happen because he needs to see Tate. Yes, but I was surprised at kind of the timing of it, like in the middle of your ranch day or whatever. Like yeah, cows. yeah, like you've just finally like taken over, and on your first day you have to be called away, and it's it's not close. We know that awkward. It was awkward and it was painful to watch. Yeah. Although I did find it funny that Monica was checking her hair in the mirror. I know. I, saw <laughs> I was like, wait, what's she doing? Like, okay, she does. She does care still. Poor um, sweet Tate. He's like, Dad, you can sleep over on my bunk bed. I'm like, my heart is literally like breaking. Oh my gosh, Tate. Oh, sad. So this whole conversation with Casey and Monica, it meant a lot to me in terms of just sort of figuring this out. Like, I kind of feel like if I were going to ask you who was right in sort of their arguments, like Monica said, you should fight for me. And Casey said, then you should ask for something different. I'm giving you what you asked for. So I was kind of thinking on along the lines of like, well, who's right in this situation? I feel like Casey was very emotionally immature in this conversation. Right. Monica's angry. Monica's angry that a, a lot of things. She's angry for a lot of the reasons. She's like Casey killed her brother, covered yeah. it up. His father, you know, got back into his life and, and literally turmoil at every corner. She wanted him to change that. She wanted to go back to their prior happy life yeah. where they were just poor and in love. And, you know, <laughs> they didn't have to worry about the John Duttons of the world, literally at yeah. their doorstep and bringing his bad karma 
and whatever else that he brought with him. Because it, we just saw in, in season one, just so many things got upended for Casey so quickly. And it just felt like just things were crashing over him and he just couldn't stay afloat. And some of it was just, it had nothing to do with John, like the, the, the van where he finds the girl. Like that whole scenario had nothing to do with John, but it's just like more of that bad karma just swirling yes. around him. Like damn the luck. I feel like this is the emotional immaturity where he says that he gets angry at Monica. He said, well, you told me to leave, not fight for you. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's such an emotional cop out. I don't buy it. I mean, yes, he's emotionally stunted. Uh, he didn't have, you know, someone around to kind of guide him through the nuances of things. His mom died when he was like about eight years old. Yeah. Not that Evelyn Dutton was a very emotionally intelligent kind of a person. But, you know, having a mom around, it's different than having just a dad around. No offense to just the dads out there. You know, you need someone to kind of guide you through some of the emotional things. And, and the only other female that he has in his life is Beth. And she's not... You know, someone who's going to teach him about, you know, how to win friends and influence women, you know. Right. I just feel both of their sides as being valid. You're right in that Monica shouldn't have to ask him to fight for her. But personally, for me, it's hard to sometimes ask for what I want and need. So to have to say out loud, like, I want you to fight for me, like, that's. Well, it also puts you in a very vulnerable spot yes. to open up like that. Like, you, th- you would think your partner would know. Right. But, I mean, for on his side, too, like, it's sometimes people need you just to voice what you need from them. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt Casey's point of view a little bit in that conversation as well. I think Monica's right. Like, she shouldn't have to say, <laughs> yeah. I need you to fight for me. I need you to choose me. I also don't think that the, the venue was the appropriate time to have that deep of a conversation. Right. She's in her new apartment. She's got this brand new life, all brand new stuff. And he's he's not okay with it. Like she just walked away from her old life and has this brand new apartment, all new stuff. He's he's nowhere. You know, he had nowhere else to go. I don't think he could have stayed on the reservation without her. He was already upset at having to go to her to see Tate. I think having the conversation in her new apartment was a trigger that he was just emotionally shut down. So I just, there was a lot of things working against him in that moment, but also I don't feel that he had the emotional maturity to meet her where she was at. She's talking so much higher in in her emotions and her um, I don't want to say intellect because that's not the right word. Not to say that, like, you know, she's so much smarter than him, but emotionally intelligent is, re- I guess, yeah. really where I'm after. She needed him to leave in order for him to know what he needed to fight for. Yeah. And he missed the boat. That's how I feel. She's right. You know, she shouldn't have to spell out that he should want to fight for the life that he has. Yeah. And she told him that, you know, you're basically turning into your father. And, and she's not fighting for them. And yeah, right. So she just has to pick up her pieces and move on. And he doesn't like that. And I think she also emasculated him a lot when he tried to give her money. And she's like, I don't need it. Like, we're fine. To someone like him, who's a very macho man, <laughs> not to quote a village people song, but no, but like for him to, to be spurned trying to provide for his family. Now he's got real money, right? He's always been struggling. He's got real money to provide. And she's like, I don't need it. Yeah. I, I think that was also a trigger for him. I mean, I felt that, yeah, he was just genuinely like trying to give something to them. Also, you can't really do this in front of your kid and right. like, Tate yeah, being he... there. Like, it's just, I don't know. I felt sad that he didn't spend any time with Tate. Like, that was like a two second conversation. Yeah, he went to go see his bunk bed <sighs> and, and was like out the door after, know. you know, Tate, Tate broke up their fight. I wish he would have just gone back in Tate's room and like 
played Legos with them. Or taken Tate out for some, you know, a hamburger or ice cream yeah. or something like that. Suck. No, he just turned and went back home. You suck, Casey. Yeah. Get it together. Come on, man. But Monica seems to be health-wise doing a lot better. I know. I didn't see her with the cane. You know, no, she was doing she her PT. Limp. She was limping, yeah, but she's mm-hmm. definitely improved. Maybe not having such stress in her life is also helping her recovery. Her apartment was pretty huge for university housing. Agreed. Did you see how deep that hallway like went? Like that hallway just went on for, you know, I was like, dang, ages. girl. Yeah. I was like, how big are those bedrooms? So definitely is a two-bedroom. She's got yes. her own bedroom. So, like, her bedroom must take up, like, the whole right side of that hallway. Well, I guess she would have a bathroom in her bedroom. But, yeah, that's a big apartment. That is a big like, apartment. For especially being on campus. Yeah. Dang, girl. But, again, this is something that the Duttons provided for her. So I'm sure she's having a struggle about that, too. The, the university yeah. job, you know, was Good. a hookup from the Duttons. So that's also something I'm sure that she's still struggling with. But she looks like she's adjusting just fine. Yeah, she's doing good. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why Casey got so angry, too, is that, you know, it looks like they've moved on. Yeah. Tate had, like, a whole new room full of all kinds of stuff. I was like, whoa. Instead of little shoebox that he had. <laughs> Yeah. Back on the reservation. Hopefully this is one more piece to their putting their puzzle back together. But then he turns up at the Livestock Association, just like his dad wanted him to. I know. Okay, I have, I have a big question for you. Okay. How on earth does Casey not have any outstandings and, and no priors? <laughs> I know. John was like, well, miracles happen. Yeah, Jamie always working it out for him we know that when he was arrested on the reservation they never filed anything because remember john couldn't find anything jamie couldn't find anything so nothing was filed there there was no record of that but the bull in the bar scene so nobody who got the snot beat out of them knowing full well that these wranglers were all from the yellowstone Uh, because jimmy announced it no charges got filed in that brutal beating like there's no way that these people show up to the emergency room all like seven of them that got you know beaten to hell and then nobody presses charges. Like, they'd be like, where did this all come from? Because they knew True. that they were from the Yellowstone. And Casey threatened to burn down the place. I mean, there's just a lot around Casey that's questioned. He beat the crap out of the guy in the gas station. Yes. He beat up the... It's all coming back to me now. He beat up the orderlies in the hospital when uh, Tate was having his meltdown. Yeah. Um, the true. doctor kicked him out, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I can think of, like, five instances where he should have something on record you know the sheriff brought him home and you know said he wasn't going to charge a vet but still like to have nothing i just mm. you make a good point i did learn that the ncic the organization that they called is the national crime information center and it's run by the fbi it's an electronic clearinghouse of crime data that is available to virtually every criminal justice agency nationwide so like your tiny local municipality uploads information so like say for instance simon's like you know rest for a, a, a DUI like that would go into this database and then like if you travel to so if you travel from Texas to Connecticut and you get arrested in Connecticut they'd be like oh you have a prior in Texas uh, Agent Steve calls <laughs> in Agent Steve Agent Steve that sounds like a character off a TV show oh wait it is oh, wait. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean this was again like you know John's telling him like oh you don't need to take this worry about this right now like this is we're gonna get you in the police academy we're gonna make you an agent then you're gonna take my job so john seems to have recovered from his near-death experiences saying that he's going to be around for at least 15 more years in this right. job so he's he's gotten over whatever but they've asked him to step down or they're yeah, saying that so like, it, mm, what's happening is he not heeding linnell's request then 
Because I thought initially that this was the, the deal, that Casey was going to replace him. Yeah, so why did he say 15 But not years? 15 years from now. So I am I was just a little, little confused. I, I also think that, I want to get your take on this. John's a little naive, I think, if he thinks this is the way to protect the ranch. The way. He says this is the way to protect the ranch. Is it really? <laughs> you have Rainwater and Jenkins, and you have Beth's Operation Build a Moat happening. And these seem like much more sophisticated mechanisms to seize the ranch and alternately to protect the ranch. Um, And it seems much more plausible that these would be the ways to protect the ranch because these are the outside forces that are most threatening. Yeah. Am I off the market thinking that John's a little naive to say that? No, you're not off the market. I just, yeah, it's like part of the puzzle maybe for him, but he needs, it's um, it's like he doesn't, he's not thinking about the bigger picture like i'm trying to think real fast does he know about the land yeah he knows about the plans to build the re- casino so yeah because that's why they hung down from the right. tree so right? it's like, like they know yeah hmm. you're right so, i mean it's just i feel like this is like where john was threatened and this is where he needs to you know sort of bolster up his reserves and then i was also like couldn't the governor just diminish the power of the office, not bringing them into conversations that they had been in prior. And this is another way for her to yeah. to get at him for not following her directive. Yeah, he needs like a bigger plan. Yeah. So I just felt like it was a little bit naive on John's part a bit to think that like <laughs> well, that Casey was going to be able to protect the ranch that way. And especially if he's saying it's not going to be for 15 years. Like what's... Then what's the point? Yeah. I did feel bad about the conversation that Casey and him had about the psyche valve, the polygraph. That was... That was rough. Yeah. So I just... He's not wrong, though. He's not wrong, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, gosh. I know. When he said that, I was like, whoa. The polygraph, like, question would be like, have you ever engaged in criminal activity? Uh, no. They're memorable in a barn. (laughs) Has your dad ever held you down and branded you? No, of course not. No, never, never. Oh, my gosh. But he would have had to have have passed the psyche valve to get into the special forces. So Yeah, but that was a while back, right? Right. So that seems to have also gone by the wayside. We haven't heard any more about him signing back up. So I guess that's water under the bridge at this point. Not do that. Yeah. Not run away. Speaking of John, still orchestrating, this is where Mm. we get back on Jamie. We said we needed him back this episode because we needed to hear what happened with the article, but they didn't even mention the article this whole time, which I have a lot of questions about. Yeah, I mean, like, Sarah's nowhere to be seen or heard, so maybe she's furiously typing up her article with her editor. so. But that's not the worst of Jamie's problems right now. I know. So John meets with Linnell to tell her that he wants Jamie out of the office and, like, you need to not fight me on this. Like, what? (sighs) This was a very frosty situation in the bar. You know, he's defying her left, right, and center, really. And she's trying to be diplomatic, I feel. But she checks him pretty hard. When So John says he found someone else to be the attorney general. And she's just like, um, just reminding you that the attorney general is to do my bidding and not yours. Yeah. Um, and in typical politician fashion, like, so now John put on his politician hat. He took off the father hat. He took off the rancher association hat. He puts on the politician hat. And the two of them say, well, Jamie was a convenient way to serve both of their needs. I'm like, way to talk about like somebody like just to use them. Right. It was just a a very nasty thing to say. Like if you're talking about someone's son. 
in front of them. Like, what did they agree to? I'm not sure because I think he says something about he reminds her that he chooses her opponent. There was something about that. And I was just like, okay. But he, he says he wants to force Jamie to step down if he is elected. And wants her to not fight him on it. So um, that's when she says something about, like, the pack turns on itself. So I think that he threatened her as yeah. well. Because, you know, his will be done. This is such a weird conversation. And then they go back to her office. And... Well, they had this interesting conversation before they run back to her office to not do anything. She calls, like, you know, basically BS on his pulling the family card. Like he says, you know, you got between family and she's like, oh, don't you pull that with me. She oh, goes, basically, right. we just work with people we're related to. And, yep. you know, when was the last time he had any kind of a conversation about his... Good for her. You know, yeah, and she's right. You know, like, yeah. when was the last time he had a conversation about their hopes and dreams? <laughs> I don't remember the last time my parents asked me about my hopes and dreams, but I'm also not 19 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she calls him on the carpet and he's just, he's receptive enough to hear her. So, yeah, it's like, I don't understand what their final plan was like he's still saying he's gonna force jamie to step down is she now just gonna let that happen or right and she didn't mention anything about him stepping down as livestock commissioner so i feel like they just agreed to disagree at this point because he still does wield enough power and he did threaten her office as well saying that he would choose her opponent but but that's a long way off like we're in an attorney general election cycle so the governor is at least one or two years away right the timeline of this was after linnell and had Jamie meet with Rainwater, right? Yes. So their plan was for Rainwater to fund the campaign. So she not, she's still going to move forward and like fund Jamie and make this happen and just see what John does. Yeah. Well, she's throwing her weight behind Jamie. Yeah. And that's where John's like, well, I'm going to get him to step down. And, um, so they just sort of walked away without. Yeah. They had no they're agreement. They're not on the same page. No, no. They're not on the okay. same page. I don't think. I, I did kind of like this this conversation that they had after they decided that they weren't going to get intimate. It was like a little bit of insight into the fact that these are not such horrible people all the time. Yeah. There was a very intimate conversation about, you know, them being brokenhearted, basically, and just how broken they really are. I liked the fact that, like, it humanized both of them after that horrible... I agree. <laughs> conversation in the bar but i just found it funny because like this is not the first time that these two have been intimate we've seen her at the yellowstone the morning right, after like so in the bedroom. i guess it was just maybe the wine and the uh, the emotions that got stirred up so something didn't go right and they pumped the brakes so <laughs> <laughs> they were like two teenagers like i don't know if we should do this yeah <laughs> yeah right like they've done it before so yeah i don't know what i don't know what happened tonight She's like, maybe I shouldn't be sleeping with this guy who's like trying, who just threatened my office. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and the, the people who would be under my employment. Right. So still speaking of orchestrating and like this whole conversation with John and Linnell and making plans for Jamie. This is a big one for Jamie. So she finds him a donor to yes. fund his campaign in Rainwater. Right. So they find out that Cassidy Reed is now running. Is she running as an independent? This is where I got a little confused. By bringing in Rainwater, is this giving him funding and a platform? Is this a political party affiliation? Like, does he have to declare? Is it important? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. But it was just something I was like, does this mean that he now has a party affiliation? Because when Christina mentions, like, the PAC, the Political Action Committee, um, I believe you have to have a party affiliation to form one of those. So, Okay. This Maybe might be too many details. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh... Not sure it matters. <laughs> <laughs> I 
kind of have an issue with Jamie having an issue with this. Like, what's the problem, Jamie? Well, he gets a little unnerved because Tom Rainwater is trying to take so, the Yellowstone. And I guess he so has... John has last you saw your dad, he punched you in the face and kicked you out. Like what? Uh, and what's now the actively working to take you out of the will. Yes. He's found an opponent to run against you to kick you out of the office that he told you to run for. He punched you in the face, kick you out of his house. Like what? Why not? And Why gave not, Cassidy your announcement speech. Yes, like, that so... to me was just like such a gut punch. To me, I'm like, what? Why not, Jamie? I'm annoyed that he isn't sure he wants to do this. Why not? You did the article, the interview. You uh, you've already like burned that bridge with your dad, although it hasn't come out yet. Like you've gone there. Right. So why wouldn't if you are willing to stick it to him with this article? Why aren't you willing to stick it to him with the rainwater? I honestly think it's because he doesn't have his dad as his counsel that he doesn't have his dad to talk to about this, that he's just like, I don't know, like, give me the day. I need time to think about it. Yeah, it just... He's always been owned by someone. Yes. Maybe that it's now, A, not his dad, and B, the guy who wants his dad's ranch back. He's His head is just swimming. He just He doesn't know how to make a decision for himself. Exactly. So that annoyed me. <laughs> Well, I mean, we've talked a lot about this, that he's not his own man. And he's, And I've always kind of felt sorry for him in that. Like, I've always been a little bit sympathetic to that. Like, right, oh, he's poor... been a punching bag the whole yeah. time. Like, I've always felt bad that they shouldn't treat him like But now I'm annoyed that, like, you've already gone there. There's this... John has cut you off, said, leave this family. You're not welcome here. Like, why not join forces with Rainwater? I don't understand. I, I think it's because he doesn't have his dad to talk to. I wrote down, he's weak. He is weak. And <laughs> this is bringing that further to the forefront that he does. And, you know, the conversation later on with Beth even, you know, puts an exclamation point on that. He's just not able to to think for himself. Yeah. He still has that family loyalty where, like, I can't, you know, run against the enemy of my father. Okay. But to me, like, you've already put the nail in the coffin when you wrote a tell-all article about your dad. Like, He's going to kill you, literally. So, like... Like, you're going to go to the train station, for Like, sure. why not just run with Rainwaters and his platform? I just don't understand. Yeah. Like, you've already made the decision. Yeah, you already went there. So, I'm not I'm not sure. I guess he's just conflicted. I don't know. I don't... It bothers me. I don't know why. Like, I don't want him to be the bad guy and run against his dad or whatever. But I do, because... That's what he's forced you to do. I mean, he punched you in the face the last time you saw him. I don't feel like you should be concerned about him at this point. Right. It's definitely not your your call anymore. And for him to have the only person he can go talk to is Beth, like, that's bad. Yeah. Like, that's that's low for him. I mean, he tried talking to Christina, and she's like, what's the problem? And I kind of feel the same way. I'm like, Jamie, what's the problem? <laughs> Like, they've already kicked you out. Beth has already, like, says she hates you or whatever. Like, she's mean to you at every turn. Well, yeah, she just relishes in any opportunity to just slam him. It's just he doesn't have a home and he doesn't have a direction. And I think Christina's right. She's like, you need to find your compass. And that's true. Like, he needs to figure out what he wants. Right. And what he wants to do. But at this point, I would feel, like, cut off from my family and already, like, that bridge is burned. We're done. So, like, let's just, why not? Let's go for it. I don't know. But you think for yourself and he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, so mean to him. Ah, poor G. I do feel bad for him a little bit, but this episode, I was annoyed with him. I'm like, come on, man. Get it together. 
And Christina, you know, in fairness to her, like she's seeing him now, like she's the time of infatuation in the early part of the mm-hmm. relationship has definitely waned for her. She's baffled by his behavior as well. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he has to play dirty. He just has to fight against his father. Like he can still be an honorable man by joining forces with Rainwater. Not doing anything illegal. Right. She was so annoyed with it. <laughs> She's just like, okay, get out. Yeah, get out of my apartment. And like, out we go. No more. He's like, so I don't get you. And she's like, well, what do I get? Well, yeah, because now she's going to be out of a, out of a job. Yeah. Right? She's running his campaign. She's right to be angry. And you know, and then she drives the nail into him by saying, yes. your sister was right about you. I know. I can't believe she said that. And you're chicken heart. And Ugh. yeah. It's terrible. And it's all, I mean, like she said some things that are like unforgivable. tuck tail run home to your suicide waiting to happen sister and your monster father like there's just there's not a lot that you can redeem from that and i'm also bothered by the fact that he did run home and walk inside that house (laughs) like what what just happened like i'm i'm annoyed well the conversation with beth is really something that we need to dive into a little bit i think so he goes for a walk after christy well christina hasn't thrown him out yet but she's getting there he it takes a walk and finds Beth. I, I, it feels like he didn't know that the Schwarzenegger office was there, but I guess he it's figured it's like two she, seconds away, or was it? I mean, it felt like he left the building and like turned and right and there it was. into her office. Yeah, <laughs> like surely you've seen that before. This is not a big town, right? Yeah, because he kind of looks up at the sign and is just like, "Oh, hey." Uh, <laughs> she just lays into him. I know. Obviously, there's enough hatred between these two that these two would never speak to each other again. But she takes the opportunity at any point to give him advice in the worst way possible to just attack him. The part that she talks about with family really dug a grave for him. You know, she tells him for someone with no spine, you got a lot of balls like showing up again. And he tries to say like, well, we're family. And it was just a really hard thing to have to hear, but she just takes her time, like cutting him up. Yeah. But then she has like this condescending pity moment with him that he's not narcissistic enough to be a politician. But she does. She tells him that he's not his own man. And that's where that the reek of desperation for the title of the episode comes from. And she just lays it out for him. And I think she's the only one who can deliver information to him in a way that he would listen to it. As much as they despise each other, he sought her out several times already for counsel. Right. And like you and I are just baffled every single time. We're like, why? Why would you keep going back for more punishment? Because I think John has some degree of just, he's just fed up with Jamie. So I don't think that John shares all of his thoughts. Like he's just like, just get out with him. Whereas Beth has enough lifelong hatred of Jamie to, to continue to dish out both barbs and advice at the same time. And he stands there and he takes it. He asks her for guidance. But is that kind of counterintuitive advice? Because she's like, basically grow a pair and be your own man. But then she tells him to do, like, look around and do what's best for the other people in your life. But that's not... It's not the same thing. You're right. It's not the same thing. And those people, aka his family, are not there for him at this moment. And this is not advice Beth herself would follow. Right. She would not take a look around. I mean, the only person she does that for is her father. Yeah. You know, so it's like she took that moment, like she's telling him, you don't, you need to grow a pair and be your own man. But then she knows that the best thing for, I guess, John would be 
if Jamie didn't run. So maybe she just throws that in there as like, okay, we'll do, if you're going to listen to me, then do what's best for John. For John, yeah. Yeah, they're so, they're so complicated, these two. I know. And Casey's not anybody that is going to give advice. I mean, like the, no. the conversation with John, he's just... <laughs> he's going to be like, I'm not a politician, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah he's already silly. I, I ain't doing that. You know, Casey's emotionally stunted and he's, he's also got a, a well of emotion that he's drowning in himself. Beth is really the only person that Jamie... I feel bad for these Duttons because I don't see a lot of friends. Right. I would, yeah, I wouldn't imagine they had any friends. Yeah, it just, they're very insular, this family, and they they work for each other, they live for each other, but they hate each other yeah. to a large extent. Even Beth with the conversation with Rip. Yes. The, the best thing would be for you to run this ranch and Casey to, you know, not be here. Right. She doesn't have a lot of uh, faith in his ability to, to be able to run the ranch. And Rip is, he's towing the company line. Like, he's just like, well, that's that's what your dad said for me to do. (laughs) Beth doesn't have a very high opinion of anybody. I don't even, I don't know what her opinion was of Lee, but it feels like she's shouldering the burden of saving the ranch. Right. I don't feel like anybody's kind of looking at the bigger picture. She thinks that her way is the only way to save the ranch. She's not thinking that she would need the political arm. Right. Like, having Jamie as the attorney general would the best thing for their family and nobody's kind of like looking at that anymore because that was the initial thing i was like oh this would be really good for us (sighs) this family is exhausting they are exhausting (laughs) but yet they're so complicated and they're so deliciously dastardly i don't know (laughs) (laughs) beth is relishing the fact that he's so low like we thought he was low before you know, when she was there in the campaign office a couple episodes ago, like taking his keys and his bank card. And like, we thought that was a low point. Like, this is even lower now for him. He has nothing but to go home. But he's also not welcome there. Right. But he shows up anyway. But he shows up and then John doesn't say anything. Like, just sit down. Like, what? You people need some communication skills. A lot of family therapy. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, this is so messed up that he just like walks in the door sits down at the table i'm like and he sits down at the moment where john is trying to have this family experimental conversation (laughs) like how was your day no no like how was your day like not not what happened in the profit structure of operation build a moat this is so messed up and then like not for anything but like having the fact that like grilled octopus was landed on the table in front of john he looked like it was like an alien i would too i'm not eating that no 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 uh no. Like, uh, pass the potatoes. Yeah, exactly. I will oh, load up on these and I'll have some salad. I did have to look up what a colonic was. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> it, it, oh, just, my gosh. It's gross. There's, there's yeah, no I need. I know what it is. There's no need. I mean, you know, it's just gross. Oh, um, don't know why someone who's 35 would be having a col- uh, colonic, colonic, but anyway. Um, backed up enough from all the steak. I guess so. But uh, she does say that sobriety is bliss as John's wine glass is in front of her. I was like, that's just really, really just messed up. Oh, this family. And then when Jamie walks in, just the uncomfortableness just like ratcheted up to 11. I'm like, oh, here we go. And then uh. Casey, again, we've talked so much about how dysfunctional this family is with their communication. Casey just kind of looks at Jamie like, oh, where have you like you just I was noticed him. Along with Beth, I was dying. I was like, oh my God. So she takes a fiddle after. John's like fed up. His experiment has failed. 
And he walks out. He sees poor Rip walking in the field, all soaking wet. I know. That was sad. It was sad. And that's how he, the end of the episode, he goddamns Evelyn for leaving him. And this family. This family, man. They, you are right. They are exhausting. They are. I'm frustrated. Like, okay, is Jamie, like, is that said and done? He's back. Like, uh, this article still hasn't come out. Like, this. He's essentially homeless at the moment. Yeah. He like, might be sleeping at the Yellowstone, but not for long. Because <laughs> he's going to do something that's going to piss off John all over again, especially if this yeah. article comes out. You know, Christina, she really laid into him. Yeah. You know, so there's there's no going back on that. No. Um, that's definitely decidedly over. So he's homeless. Yeah. Likely. But he's so he's able to sit he's for about dinner. To be at the freaking train station. I'm telling you. Can we talk about the train station for a minute? Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> I was scrolling through Facebook. Of course, I'm on all the Yellowstone pages. Hell yeah. And there's like this post about this actual plot of land or tract of land that borders Wyoming and Montana that is lawless. It has no law. Where law and killing is legal. How's killing legal? What? I don't know. Whose jurisdiction is that? I don't know, but it's within the Yellowstone National Park. So it's federal land. Okay. I assume. I don't know. Like, it's like a real train station. Like, an area of land where you can go out there and kill someone and no one's there to Okay, I'm on you. Wikipedia here. Okay, we're going to do a quick little... So, the zone of death is the name given to the 50 square miles. So, it's this little... 50 square sliver. miles. It's this tiny sliver of land. So, it's it's uh, looks like a straw. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the Idaho section of Yellowstone National Park, in which, oh, as a result of a purported loophole in the Constitution of the United States, a criminal could theoretically get away with a crime up to and including murder. So the loophole, let's see, the United States District Court for the District of Wyoming is currently the only United States District Court to have jurisdiction over parts of multiple states. So in addition, the federal government has exclusive jurisdiction over the national park. So crimes committed in the park cannot be prosecuted under any state laws. And so it has to be like a jurisdictional overlap. And this, this area falls outside of basically any jurisdiction. That is defended by law enforcement. So it's That's kind of in crazy. Wyoming. It's kind of in Idaho. Oh, okay. So not Montana. I said one. But it's, I think, but wait, where's Montana here? It's not far from Montana. Okay. So it's, so, and they, so when they go to the train station in episode four of season one, where that was the long black train, they cross from Montana into Wyoming. Yes. So it's on the border of Wyoming and Idaho. So it, Idaho claims it, but it's this little tiny sliver of land. <laughs> we should post that picture in our write-up. In our write-up, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. So apparently, there's there's tons of not nice things that have happened there. Apparently, not nice <laughs> wow, this is really That's interesting. Crazy. Yeah. So, um, kudos to the writing staff right? if that is something that they knew about. And That's amazing because um, the train station looked pretty desolate. Yeah. And that's actually where Red got killed. Yeah. So that's where Lloyd did it. Wow. So, so I'm telling you, though, that's where Jamie's going to be sleeping. Jamie cause... is going to be sleeping in the train station <laughs> forever. In this article, I I don't you can't you can't come back from that. So no. I'm yeah. I'm annoyed with Jamie's situation. This is going to cross John in such a way that there's no coming back from. 
Like, seriously, you can't ask anybody else in the town, can I crash on your couch? Like, I'm trying to think, like, is there just, you made friends with somebody? Like, so, what about a friend from high school? Is there not anybody? Yeah, I mean, like, they've grown up here, so they they know everybody, but nobody really likes that. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm not letting you sleep on my couch because I might get murdered in the middle of the night for housing an enemy of John Dutton. <laughs> yes, it's an enemy of the state. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, so Jamie... Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. Ugh, I'm annoyed. So speaking of people who cross John Dutton, Dan and Rainwater make their their marriage official. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) Well, they hold their little press conference finally that uh, their their partnership is going forward. They bring in the press. There's a big check. I love these big presentation checks. But I, in my nerdiness, um, noticed that the check said $16 million dollars. Yes, I noticed for that too. the Paradise Valley development, and I'm like, hmm, the Pelican Ranch went for nine million last right. episode, and that was just one house on one 1,100 acre of land. Paradise okay. Valley is a very large development, holding now no water source we know, so that could account <laughs> for the devaluation. Oh, true. But when this originally aired in 2019, I was covering it for Pop Culture Review. Check out uh-huh. Pop Culture Review for all my. My write-ups for season two, but the original air date has the check at 160 million. What? Yes, that that's a big zero to leave what? off. What? Uh, what? Uh, what? Well, two what? zeros. Two zeros. Why, why would it be different? I feel like it's a continuity error. I don't think it has anything to do with like the actual plot of it. I don't think that there was a devaluation in a year's time. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they didn't go back and reshoot that just to air it yes, at a different day like why why is it different i don't know so i'm thinking it's a continuity error but i just i just don't understand how they don't take the one that aired in 2019 because i watched the screener i don't know and then i was trying to look later on when the beck brothers are looking at the newspaper who we'll introduce in just a second and i was trying to see what the number was and it was just a little too fuzzy for me so so you're saying like they originally in 2019 shot two versions of it and then like yeah, accidentally posted the wrong version? I think so. I think maybe they just did the $16 million check and they maybe digitized what? in the 160. I don't I don't know. What? That just what? seems like a big faux pas on someone's part. So the production assistant accidentally had the wrong amount printed on the check and then in post production they like is this what we're talking about? And then they picked the wrong version, version like the wrong to edit. upload right to, okay, to okay. the streaming service. So so, so if anybody out there watched the marathon this weekend and had the wherewithal to pay attention to the check. How much did they pay? Because yeah. <laughs> there is a big difference between 16 and $160 million. Right. Yeah. Side note, though, like, I still feel like everyone's telling Dan Jenkins this is a bad idea. Like, why is he doing this? Here he is. But now he's got a check for $160 million. So that can okay. at least unleverage his houses and his property a little bit. That's so true. maybe he can breathe a little bit. But yeah, everyone is telling him that Rainwater is going to shyster him. Yeah. Including these new villains. What the heck? I like okay. these guys. I like them. These guys are intense, man. They're, they're intense intensities, man. They are just... <laughs> All right. So I, I took the time to like dissect their office and their yes. encounter with Dan. And we'll get to... I have a little bit of a character analysis to do on them a little bit later. Their office, man. Dude, their yes. office was intimidating right with all the stuffed taxidermy crap a lion a lion a lion a cheetah 
dog with a gazelle. You can't, you like, can't just get a lion. Yeah, there was an like, African water buffalo. Like I googled <laughs> this stuff. Like you can't just shoot a lion and have it stuffed. Like that's. Can you imagine how much money that costs to shoot a lion? Yeah, and then bring it back and stuff it, and you know, clear customs and and all crap. Yeah, like that's a big deal. Yeah, you can't just shoot a lion. Like Malcolm's hat was sitting on a warthog's um, <laughs> yes. horn. I was just like, that's just like I just don't give a crap. You know, like I had this and I, I killed it, and now it's gonna be my my coat rack or my hat rack. I know. I did. Uh, like their office was just covered <laughs> in expensive wild game <laughs> yes malcolm is lambasting whoever he's on the phone with he's you know like i need information and you've provided me with nothing nothing useful i like how you know right up front how these are going to fit into the story they are new baddies oh, yeah. they're you know they're gonna mess things up because now there's a new enemy that they don't know who he is dan jenkins yeah can we talk about how weird it is in 2019 for them to get their newspaper information as their firsthand news source? <laughs> that's funny. I didn't really pick up on that. <laughs> well, that's how like they get introduced. Like this woman is like stomping through the office and like <laughs> drops the newspaper very uh, uh, dramatically, ostentatiously onto Teal's desk. Uh, so it's Teal and Malcolm Beck yeah, are these. What is two. that name? I have no idea. I'm like that can't be short for anything. And mm-hmm. I don't Teal. Know. I don't know. I feel like he's the younger one and mom was running out of names. <laughs> That's hilarious. Teal. Teal. Teal okay. back. Well, anyone who's got the name Teal, like, I need to know more. Yeah, like, how did you get that name? Is it mean something in your family? I mean, does your mom just really like the color? <laughs> I had a teal color. car when I was in college, you know, because that was you the did? 90s. Cool. Yeah. I had a teal Chevy Cavalier. I loved that car. That's cool. But I'd never thought to name my kid Teal. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. They look pretty intimidating, these guys. They got the money. You can tell they got the money. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever business they're in, obviously. It's doing well for them. Development. Or did they have a casino? They had a casino, right? Yeah. So they when they go see Dan, so Dan's done his homework and knows that they have Rocky Mountain Gas and Casino. Yes. I'm not really sure how those two go together. Dan knew his competition. He knew enough to know that that was owned by them. Right. I just love the look on their face as he's Dan is getting he's losing his cool with these two. Ooh, this guy. They look like the cat who ate the canary. Yeah. And then like because they're not done dropping their bombs yet, they've already told him that you know he's messed with John Dutton. Rainwater's gonna seal the land out from under him. And then Teal turns around and is like, "Oh, let me introduce you to Malcolm Beck, the head of the Montana Liquor Board." It's like, oops. I'm like, I, I feel like that's where the real power lies. Isn't that liquor yeah, license? Right. That's a big deal. Huge deal. But I also don't think that this casino would have applied for their liquor license yet. Yeah, no, because they haven't constructed they it haven't yet. They haven't even, like, broken ground. Yeah. So that was just a thought in my head. I really do think, I'm like, surely they haven't applied for that yet. But Dan's Paradise Valley Resort is kind of up and running, and, and they have oh, a liquor true. license, which is, now, which is now about Revoked. to be pulled. Okay, see, I thought they meant the new casino, but maybe they just meant his current. Yeah, because they said, do you recall applying for your liquor license for this place under us? I thought they were talking about the new development. Maybe. I don't know. I I was understanding it to be like the current. No, you're right. That makes more sense. When Beth Mm -hmm. goes to meet them and that's where she meets Dan and she's smoking it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm curious to know about these Beck brothers because like they're in Montana. They know of John Dutton, but... They have not yet veered into his lane. 
to use their words. Yes. The head of the liquor board, I'm sure at some point would have crossed paths with the, the chairman of the livestock association. I got a dinner or a right. That's something. Maybe something the governor held or something. Yeah, the governor's ball. Yeah. You know him, him as the first gentleman on her arm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean you're right. They invite Dan to join forces with them, which I find what, interesting. Yeah. What do you think about that? I feel like it's kind of like closing the barn door after the horse is already out because Dan's already got the check. He's already signed something with Rainwater. So how could he logistically sign on with them now when things are already in motion? Like money has transacted. So I'm not sure how that could work, but good for them for trying. This is a very almost naive way to kind of meet them because it's like, A, they found out from the newspaper. So it already happened. So whatever sources they have around town did not pick up the phone or, you know, send them a text message or whatever. That's true. To clue them in that this was happening. Like, this was kept very hush-hush. For something as large as this deal, it kind of took everybody by surprise, it looks like, these Beck people. John kind of knows that they were partnering, but he's maybe not understanding the full impact of it yet. But I just, uh, I'm not sure about these Beck people. I mean, he moved a river for it. Yeah, but I don't think he knew that there was a casino sort of happening yet. I think he was just trying to stop like Dan's initial plan, like subdivisions and condos and things. Oh yeah. I love how like just disgusted and annoyed Dan Jenkins is with these (laughs) cowboys. He is like enough of these stupid cowboys, like in your bolo ties. (laughs) Like stop messing with me. I'm like, dude, this guy cannot catch a break. It's like I will take the Pepsi challenge. And how did they know I know that was hilarious. How did they know that Dan had been hung by a rope? Yeah, so what? I, I mean, Dan was doing his best to to hide it. He had yes, a scarf on, he was, and he, you know, he was checking it right before they walked in. Well, I think it's also designed to show that they have a reach of information similar to John. Right. So my character analysis of the Bex is pretty. <laughs> I think this is time. <laughs> I kind of deal with all of this. I took time on this stuff. I really did. I know. I know you do. <laughs> The stuffed animals, the taxidermy, tells me that they're really not used to things fighting back. (laughs) Okay. Right? That they dominate their prey and that they need trophies of their kills, like both in real life and and on the hunting field. I also noticed that Malcolm has no computer on his desk. You're deep, Sheila. I am. I I told you, I I went deep on this one. (laughs) Okay. So so that tells me that he's really not concerned with the details. The grunt work is for somebody else. Like, he's like the cerebral one. He's going to be the one making the decisions. To me, it looks like they have various routes of intimidation. So they were able to find out that he was hung, that he crossed paths with John Dutton and uh, didn't come out the better for it. Like, they got blindsided with the casino, but... They put their their machinations into work to to try to find out more about him because they they didn't know who he was at all. He was low on their their radar. Like he's a businessman in Montana. He has that the club. So like they didn't know of him. They would have known about him, I guess, from that. But I guess they didn't notice. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Like he's not a big enough fish to fry for them. Yeah. I also don't think that they do their own dirty work. So in in the sense that like they found out about him through other people, I don't think they did the firsthand knowledge themselves. Like, I feel like their fingernails are too clean. (laughs) Right. If that makes sense. Um, I'd also be interested to see if the stuffed animals, the taxidermy stuff, I say stuffed animals, we think of like a plush toy are actually theirs. Like if they caught them themselves or if they just bought them. No, you think they didn't buy them. Do you think they did it themselves? 
Yeah. And finally, um, they while they share an office, Malcolm is definitely the one in charge based on the way oh, that yeah. the office is set up. Like he's like front and center. Yes. Right. So there's that's For my sure. deep character analysis of these guys. Yeah. They have a, a a really great splash when they come on the scene. I really liked how they were introduced. Yeah. You know exactly that they are not on the side of the Duttons. They seem to be neutral on them, but they're definitely not on the straight and narrow path, these two. So they're coming after Rainwater and Jenkins. Yeah. Well, they don't have any beef with John Dutton. Right. They just stay out of his lane. I just still feel like Dan Jenkins, man, he cannot catch a break. Like, uh, why has he not just walked away at this point? Like, yeah. This guy, I mean. Uh, I think it's a pride thing now for Dan. I really yeah. do. I, like, I he's think... like, I can't let you win at this point. Yeah. Because he's lost to John. Yeah. Although the casino is going to be another way to stick to him. But I think the the fact that it's been made so personal mm-hmm. with the hanging, he has to save face. And and Beth made it really personal. Yeah. John had made it personal before. Beth took it to a whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like he's really needing to bolster his own pride. I think so, too. These Beck brothers, man, they are just going to... They are huge bullies. They are here to wreak havoc. They, like, figured out the deal, too, that he made with Rainwater. And he's like, oh... I mean, that's what we're going to steal from you. He's going to steal from you. Like, that's what we'd do. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. And then, so that's what we would do. Come and join forces with us. Yeah. Like, like what? What? No. They're here to stir up trouble. Now that Dan is in the sphere of John Dutton, somehow this is going to get very, very messy very quickly. Yeah. With these two. Because they're just so... I don't even know what the word is. Like Dan calls them out. He calls them bullies. And I think that that's a really apt. We've only seen them for what, like five, not even maybe 10 minutes. They make a big splash very yeah, early sure. on. For someone who's the head of the liquor board, that's a big reach. Yeah. He's going to know a lot of people. He's going to know a lot of people who are a little bit dirty. This is going to be a problem. Speaking of things that are dirty and shady, what about yeah. Jimmy's little altercation here? Oh. That's all I have left. Like, right? We're up to Jimmy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jimmy, I am so proud of him yeah. for standing up for himself. I thought he was gonna. Well, yeah, I mean, he had to sort of think about it because these guys said they said he owed the money. Yeah. So that's so, a problem. Right. So I, this is, I think, his old life coming to catch up to him. Yeah. And, uh, but he's got the brand now. So, you know, Poor there's. Little Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy looked in over his head, both with Aww. Avery and with these two. <laughs> with their name for what? Blake and Ray? Yeah. This is sucks. Can you have so he like when he whacked him across the face with that bag of fence oh, nails, fences. I was like, Oh damn. Those have barbs on them. I was like, Jimmy shit. That was awesome though. So yeah, I'm like pretty proud of it. But then he was like, Run, 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 hurry go. But he still needed to be saved by Avery, which I thought was just adorable. Oh, I mean, gosh. not the fact that she had to spray bear spray. What does bear spray smell like? Because they were talking about how bad it smelled. Like It's I don't know. pepper spray, but it's got an accelerant in it. It's meant to stop a bear. So bears run right. pretty damn fast. So it's, so it's like pepper spray on steroids. Like that's why Avery's eyes were so puffy and red uh-huh. and Jimmy was washing out his eyes. And they had the masks on because it's so much more potent than the pepper spray that like we would carry like on our keychain or whatever. Yeah, It's meant to create a cloud within like three seconds oh my gosh like it's meant to like shoot out i think it's like sprayed it i think it's 30 feet in 30 seconds what yeah it's that's what it's supposed to do it's like we we bought bear spray when we were in montana (laughs) we went to yellowstone all those years ago because we were like hiking on trails and they were like a bear was spotted here yesterday at four o'clock we're like 
We're from New York. We don't see bears. We're from suburbia. Oh my gosh. I just watched, uh, did you hear about the Morgans with, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and, um, Hugh, Hugh Grant. It's about this couple that, uh, witness a murder in New York. And so they have to go to the witness protection program and they go to Wyoming with, uh, like the sheriff and his wife and they're like, keep it. And they keep encountering bears and they sprayed him in, in the face with bear spray like three times throughout the movie. So bear spray is, is pretty pungent stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Jimmy, but I love, number one, I'm proud of him for standing up for mm-hmm. himself. Number two, I'm scared these guys are going to do something bad. But number three, I love that he doesn't understand his insults. He's like, I know you're insulting me, and like, but why is I understand that, but like, I don't understand what you mean. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> He's like, why is there piss in my boots? <laughs> like, how did it get there? Right. Like, I just That's so funny. But Avery is like endeared by his dorkiness. I know. And then Jimmy's like, all of a sudden, like, okay. Okay. You, oh, you like that? Yeah. <laughs> she said, you look like Eminem at a hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Well, I think he's also the only one who's not treating her differently. <laughs> yeah. From when she arrived, you know, they were like, oh, we know you from, you know, the, yeah. the strip club. And Jimmy's just like, okay. Uh, I just, <laughs> yeah, they had a little moment in the bar. And then that's where yeah. the bar fight came in. Like, there's just a natural friendship developing between these two. Now, maybe something more because he's definitely yeah. sneaking a peek at her ass now. But, uh, you know, yeah, the, oh, the fact Jimmy. that they're bringing Lloyd in more, I appreciate this because I just enjoy so much of what the wisdom, the cowboy wisdom that he brings. I really do. Oh, no. I really like him. <laughs> so funny. I'm dying over Jimmy. I did feel bad for him having to, like, decide what to do with these guys. Like, he knew after he left the store they were going to give him shit. So, like, you know, he was probably thinking on the way out, like, okay, how am I going to get out of this? Yeah. But he had the moment he had his hand on the ammonia and he's like, mm, no. So the only thing I can think of that they were doing to buy all that, I mean, they were buying ammonia by the gallons in a two-for-one deal in the, the ranch <laughs> supply store. I was like, oh, my God. I'm thinking bomb. That's the only thing I could think of. Oh, I was thinking meth. I don't, I don't know. know. Is ammonia no use? Meth, like... I don't make meth either, but I mean, like, that was an all... I mean, they definitely had meth face. Yeah. I thought they were making drugs, so... Okay, I'm not sure. I because was... that's what Jimmy was involved in before, right? Yeah. He was involved in drugs. But so. I don't know. I don't, I don't deal with meth. I don't enjoy <laughs> any type of drugs aside from, like, alcohol. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have zero experience with meth, so I get annoyed. I, don't know. When I get annoyed when I have to like buy Nyquil when I'm sick, right. and I have to show like Sudafed. I remember I bought Sudafed not long ago, and I went to buy Sudafed. I bought Sudafed, I bought Dayquil, and I bought Nyquil. And the pharmacist was like, "You can't buy all of this." I'm like, "I'm sorry, what?" What? I'm like, "I need Dayquil for the daytime. I need Nyquil for the nighttime, and I need Sudafed in between." Yeah. And she was like, "Nope." She goes, first of all, we need drivers." And she she said, "You can buy." The Sudafed, or you can buy the NyQuil and the DayQuil. You can't yeah. buy the three together. Exactly. I was like, I can just walk outside, turn around, come back in, see that pharmacy. She's like, yeah, you could, but you can't buy it all in one time. I'm like, I'm like seriously, I can't even breathe. <laughs> like, I'm like, I couldn't. You're like, look, stop giving like, me trouble, see? damn it. I'm like, I know I'm wearing a mask, but if you could see what my nose looks like right now, you would see how red it is. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I don't, and, and I know that that's what it's for, especially the Sudafed. This was a big episode, stuff. I know, so much happening. I need to. I need more of the bets. I need. Yeah, that's gonna be huge, and I'm like a little concerned for Jamie at this point. Okay, a lot concerned. Yeah, I'm a lot concerned for Jamie. I'm a lot, there's I'm a lot there's no good way out for him right now. 
Yeah, this is bad, bad news. You know, he's burned the Christina Bridge. He's burned the the Dutton Bridge, but yet he was able to sit down for dinner. So who knows? I mean, yeah. I think John's taking some of what Linnell said to heart about, you know, being more involved with his children. So maybe Jamie's sort of implosion is happening at the right time. So you walk back into my house. I'm not going to punch you this time just because I'm trying to be a good dad. I won't punch you yet, but um, just wait for that New Yorker article to come out. And then, oh my gosh. then the you know, then it's, it's quick ride to the train station for you, friend. <laughs> oh gosh! And now we know where that is directly. So people, <laughs> now we have don't a map piss me off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like let's go on a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, do not drive down this road. <laughs> I, st- uh, I definitely stayed away from the Idaho side of Yellowstone. <laughs> I was definitely in the one, the Wyoming and Montana side. Man, this is a lot. How many more episodes do we have? I don't know. This okay, is well, the, we're only on three. We're only on okay, three. So we There's have a, ten. We have a lot to go. There's ten in this season. Okay, good. So we have a while so to go. So so where we were, we were nitpicky and mean to, <laughs> in season one, where we're like, they put too much in this episode. I now forgive it because we know so much more about these characters. So this was a really busy episode. And I feel like if this, is, this had happened in season one, we would have been like, this is too much to unpack. Yeah. But because now like the story is snowballing, I feel I feel okay with it being so busy. Yeah. Um because we were also snotty last week about you know the fact that Jamie wasn't in the episode. We're like, where's Jamie? Like there's just so much that needs to be said about him. So Yeah. I know oh my I'm sorry, we're a little bipolar when it comes to the uh-huh. show. <laughs> well, we're dissecting it by episode. I mean we're I feel like we're just discussing each episode by itself. So where we missed Jamie last week, we got plenty this we got plenty this and i'm just curious now with the the jimmy story arc that's sort of developing like i feel like this wouldn't be dumped in here if it wasn't going to go somewhere yeah they spent too much time with them for this to just be like a one-off thing whereas like the guys in the bar with the bull way back when was that this season or last season this was this this season yeah this god Sorry, my weeks are blending together. I know, girl. I can't keep straight what, what's happening in my life. But like, I feel like that was just like a one-off thing. But these, this Blake and Ray team, I just feel like because like there's this money owed situation. There's yeah, there's more to the it. Thing. If the money, the fact that they mentioned money, that's so it's like, oh no. It's like, oh, we, oh we, no. we lost track of you. Now we found you. Great. At the Yellowstone, he said, I'm working at the Yellowstone. Right. So now they know where to find him and they know that he's making money. So they're gonna they're gonna come for it. I feel. Damn it, Jimmy! Never in the right place at the right time. This okay. is a long episode. My God, Look, we're just as exhausted as the dead. I don't even know what to think about next episode. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a lot. Yeah. Well, the backs are gonna stir up trouble. You know that yeah. they're not gonna be introduced just to go away. At least not in that fashion. They're right. a pretty big, big splash. Yeah. <clears throat> so, okay. We shall see. We'll see what happens. We'll be back here again soon. So if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be fantastic. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. It definitely helps other people find this show. I hope you join us again next week for episode four on Yellowstone. This is Sheila. Thanks for listening. This is Sheila. This is Steph. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. 
Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.